All right. Here we go. Episode two, Real Church Matters. Just to get a little housekeeping out the way, I'm here with Antoinette Allen. Hey, guys. Of LikewiseLife.com. That's her blog site. Uh, You can follow her on IG. Go do Likewise. Twitter, Likewise Life. Facebook, Likewise Life. She's putting a lot of uh, articles up. I I enjoy reading them. I'm a little biased, of course. But uh, I think that she she's uh, a much needed voice in uh, the faith. Also, uh, spread the word about the podcast. If you got questions, you can go and ask me at realchurchmatters.com. That's the email. Uh, of course, I'm on IG, Real Church Matters. Uh, Twitter, Real Church Matters as well. Facebook is Real Church Matters. Uh, the iTunes, you can search Real Church Matters, it'll pop up. SoundCloud, you can go there, it's either or. Um, there's a website coming soon that'll point to the episodes, and of course, it'll have show notes to kind of help with uh, just a, as people follow along. And so, my question that I wanted to pose on the podcast today is Are Christians convincing other people to be Christians? Um, Cause from the outside looking in, I I don't I don't think so. I don't think so either. <laughs> I think dude, we're doing our best job to convince people to not be Christians. Yep. <laughs> Everybody awesome from the evangelicals that make up the Bible Belt and the Midwest to the black churches that make up the East Coast and the West Coast to the uh people who don't even really go to church but are just subscribed to black church culture and believe that they can believe in God and have these views that are alternative facts <laughs> to the Bible. Right. Uh it's just a it's just enough to make your your head spin. And so I just wanted to ask that question. We could start off there and my answer is the same as Antoinette's it's no. I don't know how you guys feel about it. You can share how you feel. But I think that we have to do a better job of being convincing. And I know people hate to to use the word convincing because it sounds like we're selling something. But quite frankly, uh, what I'm saying when I say convincing is not that so much we're trying to get people to believe in Christ as much as we are getting them to believe that we believe in Christ. And then that them seeing us be true believers, because ultimately it's their view. They have to, to feel and sense a sense of conviction on our part. That can cause other people to say, that's real over there. That's not the, the consensus about Christianity right now. And I don't know how much of a job we're doing to even stave off that perception or cause people to see that there's something greater there. Let's take, for instance, that we're not even talking about people becoming Christians. Let's say that people just actually start to be convinced that we're true enough believers that they respect our religion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't even think people respect Christians. No, not especially not the way they do other religions. Other religions, you always see people, you know, they'll respect it. They'll be like. Those Buddhists, you know, they are really serious about yeah. what they believe. They are extreme. Like, 
Yeah. So you never hear that about Christianity. Yeah, I don't think that people respect it as a, a devout religion. Yeah. I think that people have so long seen it, the homogenized version, the black culture version of church, that they don't see it as it being a, a deeper relationship, a spiritual one yeah. with God. The way they look at, like you said, maybe a Buddhist and see it as a spiritual connection between man and the higher power or maybe even uh true practicing uh muslims or those of the islamic faith they they respect those convictions in a way yeah. not even to the sense that they're like oh i want to be one but let's just start there like why don't we have conviction you know my, my first declarative statement here is what i am convinced of will define my convictions so I feel like we are not, we don't have convictions because we're not convinced. Ourselves, yeah. Ourselves. And I think the, the church has to take a good look inside and say, why am I not convinced of the thing that I say that I engage with? It's a hard question, but it, it needs to be asked. And, and you can help me out here. Like, I mean, there's a nine year difference from us. When you look at your generation, because you're you're a millennial, I'm a gen- generation Xer. I think you're considered a millennial. I'm on the fringe, actually, oh, yeah. depending on who you talk to. Because uh-huh. I was born in 1981. Some people have included so that. So almost older people still. Yeah. I'm old enough where some people may say generation X. You know, if we went out for Saturday morning cartoons, mine's was Thundercats, yours was Doug. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there is a difference. And so you can I like tell the me undercast though, but go ahead. for your generation, why do you feel like they aren't convinced? Well, first off, I would think of the generation before them and the things that they picked up from that generation. And then I also think, yeah, because of that, I feel like it's been so watered down that the little bit that my generation got is so uh, thin and like it just has no substance. And, so I, guess- and I feel like that's the faith that we represent. And then the people who are serious about it, their voices just aren't loud enough right. to where it causes, you know, a, a change. So I guess in this sense, we could say that Chance the Rapper represents that generation. In a sense, yeah. He represents that generation who feels like they're being a light, but they still like to get lit. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it, they they still feel like they should be able to enjoy uh, life, even though parts of their lives do not glorify God or reflect his teachings right. or his desires for us. But don't get me wrong. It, I feel like it comes from years of unanswered questions. It comes from years of seeing your parents do things that you just don't agree with. Like it, it, it's not just us just being a, a wasted generation. I feel like it's a it's a um, product of, yeah, of this. I agree. You know, the Bible says, "Train up a child in the way that they should go," and so you have a whole culture of church that has trained up another generation to go in a certain way and they will not depart. What is the way that they train them up in hypocrisy? Yep. <laughs> uh, people who are not passionate about the text, they don't study. 
they look at the Bible as a, a manual, as a uh, yellow pages. I need a plumber. So I go to the yellow pages and look up plumbers. Well, back in the day, we went to yellow pages. Now you would go to Google. But they look at the Bible as I need help. And so they start flipping through the pages looking for help. Yeah. It's never an engagement of man wrestling with the idea of God and learning to have him be real and enriching in his life. Right. And it's also that flip side where it's that. And then it's also it being so spiritual and so supernatural that we can't really articulate it well. So that causes a whole nother, you know, train of misunderstanding. Yeah. Yeah. So it's misunderstanding, begatting, misunderstanding. Uh, people are halfway studying, but they're f- all the way teaching because you make money teaching at churches and then those people are halfway understanding the halfway word they're being taught. And so it's a, you know, almost a diminishing returns by the time it's done. Yeah. You do have a, a, a you, you do understand why you would have a chance to rapper. Yep. We have created a culture and part of my generation is in it too, where we're not truly convinced of what we're, saying that we are part of Mm -hmm. and so it's hard for us to have convictions of it and those convictions are lost yep and what is what are convictions just to give some context to these words i'm using a lot of words here convincing means to uh be firmly uh firmly showing what one believes or says uh that people will look at you and not have a shadow of a doubt of what you say you are right um Convictions will will give us a, a are the the result of us being convinced and convincing means uh, that someone is capable of believing that something is true or real. So if we truly believe that God is real and that He everything that He said in the Bible, everything, whether you understand it or believe it or not, or whether it makes sense and uh, jives with your reasoning. If you believe that everything he said is true, then your convictions will be led by those beliefs. And I think that that's not where we're at. The next declarative statement I have here is my convictions will cause me to be decisive. And so when I look at that, um, it brings up Donnie McClurkin. So you have this man who he, he says he's a Christian. He has these convictions He's he's sung gospel music from since the time I was a little kid and you hear him speak with conviction. Then he's apologizing about what he said and saying that he said it in arrogance and ignorance. Now, my thing is, uh, yes, we have to apologize when we say things out of turn, but I don't I don't understand where the conviction is. If the world sees you say something and then totally take a 180 on it, yep. that doesn't sound like a decisive person. It doesn't. But your convictions will cause you to be decisive. It will cause you to make decisions that you're sure of. And you stand by. And you stand by. But we're not operating like that as Christians. Yep. It's willy nilly. It's backtracking. It's, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to even get into the things that he said about protesting and Christians shouldn't protest and. All of that stuff, because honestly, I feel like Christians are engaging in things, in conversations that don't even 
do what the Bible tells us to do, which is every time we part our lips, we should be building up people's faith and reflecting the kingdom of God and sharing the good news. If you part your lips to say anything about politics, I'm trying to figure out how does that build people's faith in a day and time when politics is causing people anxiety, fear, uh, trepidation, depression. Why do they need just one more person, one more talking head talking about Trump or anything the like? And we're just using him as an example, remember, because it's not him in particular. It's what he represents, this this wave of people. Absolutely. And, and, And for Christians, this is the perfect time. For when we see the fire to be the fireman, yep. not for when we see the fire to be another person screaming fire. Yep. That there's a difference. Some people scream fire. Some people pull the alarm and some people come with water. Yep. Wh- which one are we? The problem is, is that we're not being the person with water because we don't even believe that our water can put the fire out. You got it. We're not convincing. Therefore, we're not decisive. If you're not convincing, it's because you lack conviction. If you lack conviction, it's going to be hard for you to be decisive. What does decisive mean? It means that we settle issues. We produce a definite result. No one is unsure about the things we do. We're resolute. We're firm. We're strong-minded. The Bible speaks of us not being double-minded men in our ways. The Bible tells us that. Let me just look at it this way. 2 Timothy 1.13 says that we are to follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Our decisive pattern is based on the word of God. But if you don't have belief in the word of God, you don't have conviction in it to follow it decisively. No matter what. I think that's the next thing is uh, part of part of our misstep is that we don't believe the word enough to stand behind it. So therefore we don't walk in it. Yep. Do you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I just I find it just saddening to see that we can't be convincing to the world because we're not decisive. We're not that voice, that definitive voice that settles an issue. Or even when you see all these protests and you see all these pictures and posters and stuff, they're so convincing, you know? You you really, you almost want to go out there and march with them, you know? Yeah. They're, they're convincing in what they believe and their actions show it. And, and a lot of what they're protesting about it's, is true. It is. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. From young men dying to people being... Uh, uh, unfairly convicted and charged of crimes to uh, lack of uh, proper pay for people to live in this society, uh, people fighting for minimum wage uh, increases. This is all stuff that matters to us. It matters to the world. But the real church matters will help people in addition to the fight that's going on. Yeah, we have to speak up. We have to fight. Everybody has their role. But I feel like at at our point in time in this world, when are Christians going to do their part? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The Bible tells us that we're supposed to tend to the poor. 
we're supposed to help the disenfranchised, that we are supposed to help the least. Why is it that people are protesting for not having the proper help and the, the Christians aren't the voice amplifying their voice and helping them? You know what I'm saying? Beyond protesting, I'm talking about real actionable things to help those people in need. And we're Christians. We're followers of Christ. And that was all Christ did. I feel like people overlook that. They look at the miracles and they look at all this stuff. But he literally, at the end of the day, just convinced people. And I know you have scriptures to go along. Yeah, with yeah. No, no, absolutely. I think the last the last declarative statement is when I become decisive, I become convincing. So when we when we talk about being decisive and convincing, we don't have to go no further than Christ. He said in, in Matthew chapter four, verse 17 through 20, Jesus is preaching. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he comes across two men. Uh, one is named Simon, who's also called Peter and Andrew, his brother, and they're fishermen. And he goes up to them and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately these men left their nets and followed him. Now think about how convincing that is. Mm hmm. You just hear a man talk. You didn't even see him do anything that's amazing. You just heard him talk. And then he walked up to y'all and said, drop everything that you're doing and come with me. I'll make you a fisher of men. Ultimately, what Jesus is doing here is so cool because not only is he convincing enough to follow, but his mission is convincing. Mm -hmm. The church's mission is missing. Our true mission is a is a is a great enough mission that anybody could get behind. You think people wouldn't help churches? Yeah. That's the reason why they have 501c3s now. Is the government at one point looked at the church as a pillar of the community mm -hmm. that was willing to help them. You think people not going to get behind a mission like let's help people. Let's not just help them physically, but let's help them spiritually, emotionally. Psychologically. Where is that mission? The mission is garbled up. It's missing. The the spokespersons of the mission are, are messed up. Yeah. When people laugh at Sean Spicer and they laugh at all his miscues and his missteps. <laughs> We're no <t> <laughs> Think about Think about it. We are the Sean Spicers of Christianity. <laughs> You ask the question, you're like, oh, ee -bidi -bidi -bidi. <laughs> you got alternative facts going on. People ask you uh, about uh, there's what they're going through, and you giving them alternative truth. Yeah. Or, or even just your life in general. Right. What you, it, what you represent. You're so not qualified, or you're so ill equipped because you haven't had a devout focus on learning the word and becoming a true Christian with true convictions that can operate in a decisive way that causes other people to be convinced. You just haven't. You know, I'm including myself in it. Yep. I'm including myself in it. We just haven't. We've sat and watched people talk down the faith, and we say, well, I ain't that type of Christian. How come we don't speak up? Yep. How come we don't show that we're different? We laugh at churches that we see on TV, but what about your church? Yep. What do you do at your church? How are you making a difference or are you just sitting at home? And the also scary part of that, too, is we're convincing people of something anyway. 
whether you're convincing them of the good part of of it or the bad part, you're convincing people of something. Yeah. It's like like, uh, John chapter 7, 11 through 13. He says, the Jews were looking for him at a feast, and they said, where is he? They were looking for Jesus. And there were was much muttering about him among the people. And while some people say he is a good man, others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Yet for the fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. Hmm. So there's two things that are happening here. People are looking for him because they feel like he's leading people astray. Mm -hmm. So Jesus had become notorious, infamous Mm -hmm. for leading people to follow him. Yep. He had become such a, uh, how would you say it? An influence mm-hmm. that people feared him. Imagine if the church became that influence. So much so that a person like Donald Trump be like, we got to do something about this. <laughs> Let's this. take away the 501. Yeah. yeah we got to do something about these Christians. They're influencing they're 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 a big influence. They're leading people astray. Mm-hmm. I know you don't want to think of yourself as a Christian who's leading people astray, but you have to understand if from the other side, mm-hmm. that's how you look, and we want to be that way. Right. Jesus was proud of that, and then there were some people who believed that what Jesus was saying. That's what verse thirteen is telling you. They believed what Jesus was saying. But they were afraid to open their mouth mm-hmm. because of the Jews, because of the powers that be. Right. And so you you have these two types of people right now. You have people who may even feel the way I feel, but they're afraid to speak up because of the powers that be. Yep. Because it's not the popular opinion. Yep. Because they don't want to be ridiculed. We got to be better at influencing them so that we can get more people who are being led and then decide to speak openly. So they can lead others. That's right. We're supposed to be creating influencers. You know, and that's now, a big word now. It's a big too. word. You know, they talk about social influencers. Right. When you're talking about these types of things, you're saying that these people have power to sway someone. Yep. But the church See, doesn't have that power anymore. Yep. We've neutered ourselves. The world didn't neuter us. I, I hate even talking about Christians versus the world because the world is not our enemy. The world is not our enemy. The world is the reason we're here. Because God already said we, I mean, he it's, has the victory anyway. But it, it's, he, they are the reason we're here. Yep. The banner that Christ holds up is love. And love for everybody. Love for homosexuals. Love for murderers, killers, drug dealers, gang members, whoever you are. God had love for you. So yep. much so that he gave his son to set in motion a plan to save you. But how could God set this plan out? Such an elaborate plan. Mm -hmm. Only for us to not hold up our end of the plan. To set this ball in motion so that the people that are left here in 2017 are these weak people with no voice who can't influence anybody. I mean, we got people that come to church every Sunday. And we talk to them for 45 minutes and can't get them to commit to Christ. But Jesus says one sentence and causes two men to drop their whole occupation. I don't know. I don't know. I just think that we have to start to ask this question. I can't solve it. 
in this podcast, especially with <laughs> a few more minutes left in it. But what we're doing, like you said, we're being that voice by doing this. You, we're not being afraid. We're we're speaking up about the things that we already talk about. It's just you know on a broader scale. It's on now. a broader scale because and it's important. It's important. I know there's tons of people who are saying there's a trillion and one podcast, but you need to start a podcast. One. You need to start one. You need you need if you're passionate about something. You know, I I started the year just saying, man. I'm just I just respect anybody who has convictions because we're living in a day and time where no one has a conviction. No. The world, it, the Internet tells us what to think. About everybody it. is afraid to be different or speak out what they believe. I don't care how many people come to me and say it's the white man's religion. I believe in it. That's right. Nothing that I do within this religion benefits any white man other than benefits them spiritually. So I'm trying to figure out who mastermind this religion and how are they benefiting from me? But I won't go there. I, it, <laughs> that's, the, a whole that's a nother. whole other thing. At the end of the day, I'm not enslaved by a man, but I am enslaved by a mission, a charge to help each and every person, even the people who hate me. Yep. Even the people I don't agree with. And so we have to take that on. We have to be more convincing. I hope that I'm lighting a fire under people. I'm hope that I'm making you more excited that you find ways that you stop looking at it as, oh, there's somebody doing it already because there ain't somebody doing it already. And if there is, there ain't enough of us Amen. that we need more. We need more. He says, uh, don't say you can't be convincing because we've all convinced people. Uh, Matthew 15 and 14 says, let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. So Jesus was letting the guys know. He's like, hey, don't worry about the fact that they're influencing people to do wrong. If those people are over there, then those people are asking to be led astray. But Jesus is really giving us a good point is that all of us are leading people in some way. I just want to make sure I'm not a blind person leading a blind person into a pit. I don't want to do that no more. I don't want to be misleading people by just saying things that confirm my own desires. But I want to, I want to say things that I feel are passionately the truth. And the people who resonate with that, they going to come with me. The people who don't, more power to you. God bless you. Yes. White man, black man, Christian, slave, all that. Yeah. God bless you. Let's look at some more scriptures because I, I definitely want to have scriptures to go with this. Uh, Isaiah 9 and 16 says, for those who guide this people have been leading them astray and those who are guided by them are swallowed up. And so we, we constantly are in a situation where there are people being led astray. Yeah. And then in Acts 13, 49 through 50, it says, And the word of the Lord spreading throughout the whole region, 50, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. Mm. And so you have Paul and Barnabas are Christians. They're preaching and they're influencing people. And the people who did not like it because the gospel was spreading throughout the region. The people who did not like it, they incited 
or riled up the devout women of their beliefs Mm -hmm. because there's devout people on each side. There are people who are passionate about their beliefs, but there can't be passionate people on one side and not passionate people on the other. Where are the passionate Christians who believe something can speak definitively about it, decisively about it, and then stand on it so that people can be influenced by it. The days of Christians being passive are done. Like they can't it, it can't be. It just case. can't be. No we can't more. be passive. It's too many, like we said, all these representations of it. And yeah. I'm sitting here being quiet, talking amongst my own little circle about God, while there's somebody with a bullhorn, a megaphone, a website, a podcast, a television show telling them how God hates facts. Yep. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I can't sit by and speak in ways that don't amplify the signal to be just as loud as those who speak half truths, speak ignorance, speak hatred. I have to be a person of devout connection to my faith that causes me to have convictions, that causes me to be decisive and, and makes me an influencer in this world. Uh, Look at uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 19 through 25. It says that uh, he did not weaken in his faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. So we're talking about Abraham. He says, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. He was fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. That is why his faith was counted, counted to him as righteousness. As righteousness. Yep. You see, now we starting to talk about walking in righteousness because we're con- fully convinced of what God said. And those decisions reflected that. Even though what God said flies in the face of our reality. Mm-hmm. What was Abraham's reality? I'm old as dirt. My wife is okay. old as dirt and she can't have babies. But he was fully convinced that God's word would be true and would come to pass in spite of his reality. I think Christians have a hard time being that convincing. Because when you say convincing, you almost say crazy. Yeah. Because that's how the world will look at. I'm pretty sure people were looking at Abraham like, you're crazy. What do you, how? how? You're not going to have that up. A bunch of sons like that's not going to happen. Yeah. And, and if here's a here's newsflash. Part of the reason that we are jokes now is because you're trying to trying to have faith without looking crazy. You're trying to be a Christian without looking crazy. You're trying to be a fan without being a fanatic. You're trying to have zeal without being ze- zealous. Mm. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? You're trying to do both things and, and you can't. If you say you have zeal, that means you're zealous. If you say that you are um, a fan of Christ, then that means you're a fanatic. These people are going to look at you and be cra- looking at you crazy because of what you believe reflects it. Reflects it, and it flies in the face of the reality that is around you. Yep, and that's the only way to convince people because look at our reality. I mean, everything tells us to not believe what we believe and we're here we are trying to convince people otherwise yeah 
He says, my convictions will cause me to be decisive. Joshua 24 and 15 says, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve Serve the the Lord. That is a definitive, decisive statement. He says, I can't speak for you. But you need to choose who he said, I just want you to be, a, you know, a, a person of conviction. Mm-hmm. I just want you to be decisive. Yeah. You don't even have to choose my God. Just choose yours. He says, I, but I respect you if you just make a decision and stop being so wishy washy. Yeah. Because he said, as for me, my house, my people, my circle. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. How can he speak for his circle like that? Because he's an influencer. <laughs> When we are influencers, when we are influencers, we're going to influence the people around us. We can speak unashamedly. We can be decisive. Yeah. We can speak with conviction and say, uh, I don't know what y'all are doing over there, but as for me and my house, my family, my, my sisters, my brothers, my my circle of people, we're going to serve the we're Lord. Gonna serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. That's more than that. that. That's more than being a good girl and a good guy. Guys, what serve the Lord means is that you have convictions that are revealed through the way that you move through this life. The decisions you make aren't just the things you say no to, but the things you say yes to. They aren't just the things that you take on, but the things that you let go. They aren't just the things that you love, but they're the things that you're willing to sacrifice for the love of. This is what Christianity is. Some of you are listening to this and saying, it ain't got to be like all of that. And you are the person I'm speaking to when I say <laughs> you are uh, you are part of church culture. Sorry to break it to you. Yeah. You are part of church culture. And church- it's easy for us to say this because we were those people. I was, I mean, a, I was I, that person. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I was a casual Christian in the sense that, I mean, I didn't speak up for nothing. I just was focused on me. Yeah. How good, how much good I could do so I can get some good back. What I got to, how much I got to read so I'm not depressed. You know what I'm saying? How much I got to talk to God before he give me what I want. You know what I'm saying? I was one of those people who was righteously indignant because I didn't smoke the weeds or drink the drinks. You know, I, I'm I'm one of those people right now where I feel like at the end of the day, we have to stand beyond what we even feel. So First Thessalonians, and, and we'll we'll kind of close things out with, with these two scriptures. First Thessalonians 2.13 says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us. You accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. See, I think another problem with the church is that when we speak, we want recognition for what we say. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's hard for people to believe you because you want credit for what you just said. He says, I'm saying all this, hopefully that you take it not as words from a man, but as words from God. God. Which is at work. 
Dude, which and is at you. work in you. It, we're supposed to be convincing people that God exists and that he's speaking and that he wants to speak to them personally. Yep. That power that, that parted the Red Sea, that yeah. power that healed you know, a lame man yeah. exists in us. You have to be careful about the language. Constantly, uh, you'll see pastors so concerned with people trusting and believing them. But then... How are they ever going to trust and believe in God? Yeah. You trying to get them to trust and believe in you. I don't care if you don't even trust me. I don't care if you don't believe anything that's coming out of my mouth. I pray that you take what I'm saying, dissect it, sleep with it, wrestle with it, and that it reveals who God is to you. Amen. You might still think I'm chopped liver, but that's that's the goal. That's the thing we have to take. We get so personal. We take it so personal when people reject us we spend so much time debating with people about who god is instead of just sharing and not fighting all jesus did that's all he did was share what god told him to share that's it i don't have to bash your views to let you in on this perspective because this perspective is bigger than me uh romans chapter 2 verses 19 through 24 he says And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, says you then who teach others, do you not teach yourselves? Mm. While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols or hate idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So look, you guys are are uh, an accomplice to the way that the world looks at God. He said the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. It's your fault. Why are you mad at Trump? It's your fault. Why are you mad at Chance the Rapper, it's your fault. Why are you mad at Donnie McClurkin? It's your fault. I'm not mad at none of these people. Why are you mad at the evangelicals who are talking all of this hatred? It's your fault. Why are you mad at the man that's on late night cable selling oils or handkerchiefs? It's your fault. It's your fault because you ain't speaking up. You're not being the person you need to be. So that people can see a version of Christianity that is true. So that people can see something that's convincing. Not just you, but me and all of us. We have to have that obligation in ourselves so that we can be better. And we have to be able to look at ourselves and say, am I convincing or am I convinced? You know, do I really believe what I, you know, go to church for every Sunday? Yeah. Is this real to me? Yeah. Do I understand what I say I believe? Yeah. My prayer as we close out is that each and every person who's heard this and will hear it will spread the word and just start to have a voice. Start to feel a conviction. Start to challenge yourselves. Engage with the Bible. You know, I, I just shared with somebody not too long ago. I said, A lot of people treat church like they treat college. You go to college, you pay your money, and you expect that these instructors, these professors, these teachers, aides, 
are supposed to take you on a four year journey to create something in you that's not there right now. But that's not the way college works. College is, has to be an engagement on your part as well. You got to study hard outside of the classroom. You got to engage with it. You got to be passionate about your career before you can even have one. Before you ever become that thing. And before long, you'll see that you are that thing. Same thing with church. You pay your money. You sit there and you think that the pastors, the ministers, the teachers are supposed to create something in you. And there's people who've been sitting there for 40 years and they still the same. Because they never took it outside of the church. They never made the world their classroom. They never engaged in their bedrooms and in their living rooms with the word. They never challenged themselves and questioned whether they were even passionate about what they were pursuing by even coming to church. And so they never fully realized. They just sit there and complain that they weren't what they thought they were going to be. And so my prayer is that we grow out of that and start to engage ourselves in a deeper way about the things of God so that we can become convincing in this world. That's it for the podcast this week. Uh, We had a nice trim 45 minutes, and I'll try to keep it around 45, 30, 45 minutes. Um, Love to hear your questions. Ask me at realchurchmatters.com. We're gone.